0: Hello and welcome to Care and Conversations, where we are about to discuss mothers' emotional and mental
1: health. CarePlus Pharmacy presents Care and Conversations, a podcast for new parents, hosted by mom and brand director Leanne Hyland. On this podcast, we want to help you through the scary firsts of parenting and newborn life, bringing you practical advice from the people that know. Hold on tight and enjoy the journey. We've got you.
0: Hello and welcome to Care and Conversations, a podcast for new parents. In today's episode, we cover a really important topic. As women, our transition into motherhood is a journey filled with many highs and lows. To talk to us about women's emotional and mental health post-birth is the lovely Anne Morgan. Anne is a mum, psychotherapist, life coach and mindfulness teacher. Anne founded her company Sparkback to offer practical and emotional support to women through one-to-one sessions. Anne is on a mission to help other new mothers reconnect with their inner self, helping them to rediscover who they truly are while they navigate the emotional complexities of motherhood. Anne, welcome to the show. I'm so delighted to chat to you today. Thanks so much, Leanne. It's really good to be here. So Anne, can you give us a bit of a background into how you discovered your mission that led you to start Spark Back?
1: Yeah, it was uh, a Bit of a mission that was full of twists and turns, to be honest, the journey. Love it. Yeah, like I did my master's in psychotherapy, oh, it was about 12 years ago. And then I, there was no jobs at the time because we were kind of in that recession. So I ended up opening a modeling agency for 10 years yeah which was a bit strange that is a twist I didn't see coming (laughs) yeah it was uh it was a big change and I did that and then in 2017 while I still had the agency I was pregnant with my little girl Lily and I just kind of assumed being self-employed that like this will be fine you know okay I'm not going to get maternity leave but I will bounce back and I will go straight back into work after you know the first little bit, and it'll all be okay. And surely, you know, I'm my own boss, so how hard can this be? But actually, I had a really difficult start to motherhood. So Lily was very sick. I think it was kind of day three, we ended up in the hospital with her. So we were in there for a week, and it was really difficult. It was really kind of traumatic for me. It wasn't what I expected at all. And from there on, I suppose, when I came home, I felt I had great support around me, but, and a lot of mothers I know can identify with this where you still feel so alone in your head. You feel very isolated, like I'm the only one that is feeling this way. And I remember one day going to like a local mother and baby group in the hope of meeting other mothers that would be open about the fact that they felt like this is not what I expected. I didn't feel expect to feel this way, you know, how difficult it could be. I was quite anxious and it was like walking into a secret society. Like nobody was talking about anything. It was just breastfeeding and, you know, let's do play dates and I just felt very alone. I felt very out of place. It brought back a lot of my stuff from, you know, being in school, not feeling good enough, being the unpopular one. So I left thinking, well, there's only one of two reasons really why I'm feeling like this. And it's because this is a me problem. So I'm doing something wrong or, you know, essentially like I, I'm i not cut out for this. I'm not cut out to be a mother because how can i find this so difficult you know so it was very hard and i felt very alone and i just thought after a couple of months i was like where do women go to talk about this like who do they talk to and i was very lucky i had my own therapist um who i'd been working with for years and i had her to speak to and that was a massive help so because i had her i managed to kind of process this a bit and it just came to me, I'd been waiting for my opportunity to get back into psychotherapy for years and I just thought, this is it. You know, this is, I need to make sure that other women realize that this, you know, when you've had a difficult start to motherhood or, or you know, it doesn't meet the expectations that you had, that it is completely normal to feel this way. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything wrong with you or your experience, but it's just not enough people talk about it and it can feel really lonely. As you said, it's not talked about. And
0: when we decided to do this podcast, we really, really felt that this was a a topic that we really wanted to explore and to talk about because it is something that it feels a bit like it's only really after the fact. So when when I say when I mean that is that I feel like I hear people's stories after they get through the tunnel, if that makes sense. Yeah. And they'll say, "Oh, well, actually, I went through that after after I had a baby," but they don't tell you during it. But they tell you after they came out the other side. Yeah. And 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 you feel kind of a bit sad that you know you couldn't be more helpful or be there for them, or that they didn't feel that they could be very very kind of transparent or open and talk about it. So I think it's. It's fantastic that that kind of brought you to kind of found spark back. Yeah. Obviously, you did have an exceptionally really difficult day three, just when you mentioned day three. And obviously, Lily was really sick and, and that I can't even imagine that that sounds so difficult. And I remember just before I gave birth and a lot of people, you know, be talking to friends and they'd be talking about the day three. And they're saying, look, day three is hard today. And I remember going into this experience thinking, okay, so on day three, I remember counting it and go, okay, I'm meant to wake up and I'm going to feel like very emotional and I'm going to be crying all day because that's what they said might happen. I didn't, I was lucky. I didn't feel a really big emotional shift at all. I didn't really notice. And, and I look back on that time and I wonder, and is that a thing? Is that something that people should be aware about or is that something that's just uh, an old wives' tale?
1: I think that it depends. It's like motherhood being so unique to each individual, you know, it's how they will experience it is going to be really different. So, while I'll always say to people, you know, yeah, be prepared for anything because anything can happen, you know, I never expected that my day three would be in Crumlin Hospital, you know, I thought I'd be at home and everything would be perfect. I always say, you know, do prepare for the fact that you may be vulnerable in those early days. So rest up, you know, make sure that you tell your partner or you say to family, I don't really want too many visitors in those first few days. You know, just kind of, I suppose, preempt that that might happen. But at the same time, we go into motherhood with so many expectations as it is that it's just another thing that, you know, are we bringing that in expecting that things are going to be worse than they are? And then it turns out, like your case, where you didn't really feel that and that's brilliant, you know. But then... You sometimes might be thinking, should I have felt that? Oh, 100%. Yeah.
0: I was like, is this a rite of passage? And I didn't feel it. So, or is this going to come at me on a different day? And I'm going to least expect it because and it was just so sad in my head. And I remember thinking, I, I need to ask you about it because it just, I remember going in and really expecting this massive shift in my emotions. But I felt still on, very much on a high and I, I just didn't feel it. Um, So I'm glad you kind of said that, that
1: like, I suppose it's kind of unique to everybody. It's, it is. It's very unique. And I think this is the thing, you know, from the moment that we find out that we're pregnant, there is a lot of comparison of our experience with other mothers based on, you know, we're on social media, we're looking at other people that are pregnant or, you know, we see other people in pregnancy yoga classes and how they're doing things. There is this comparison that's there from the get go. So then we start to compare those early days. What are my early days like compared to that person's early days? And really, this is your journey. And only you know know what is normal for you and what feels a little bit like I'm not doing so good. So this is where I might need a little bit more help from somebody. No, hundred percent. And and
0: just kind of when we think about all of this kind of this topic, there is a lot of terminology, you know, and and I wonder if we could just take a bit of time to kind of briefly maybe run through some of it and, and, and kind of maybe where there might be kind of key differences. Firstly,
1: you know, we hear a lot about The baby blues. Yeah. Like what, what, what are the baby blues? in the medical world, you know, as a therapist, I wouldn't necessarily work with the diagnoses as such, but the baby blues will generally only last within the first kind of week or two. So it is completely normal to feel overwhelmed, quite teary, quite down, you know, a lot has happened and it can be a big shock to the system. So to expect that that can be very normal and that's okay. Normally what will happen is if that extends out from that two weeks, then it's really worth noticing does that improve or are you still feeling that way on a regular basis? That would kind of lead me into, I suppose, the next thing that we hear about, which is
0: obviously um, postnatal depression. Yeah. So is it fair to say that if we're talking about the the kind of the baby blues, that two week period, that anything that might extend or kind of linger or stay, that could potentially be kind of moving into what we would call postnatal
1: depression? Is that fair to say? Mm. I think one of the really difficult things is, and I, I'll bring this back to my own experience just for reference, okay? Mm-hmm. So... I remember the way that I was feeling at the time, I knew I didn't fit the the category of postnatal depression. I knew if I went to the doctor, I would not tick those boxes to be diagnosed as that. What I find is that while a diagnosis is really useful for a lot of people, for some people, if they don't meet that criteria, they can feel like, well, I don't have postnatal depression, so I must be okay. And then they overlook the fact that they could actually have postnatal anxiety or they could have PTSD, which can happen after birth trauma. So there are a number of other things that they can actually have. But because the first thing we hear of is postnatal depression, Depression, what will happen is a lot of women will say, "Well, I don't have that." Okay, so I'm I should be okay. I'm not going to go to the doctor. I'm just going to keep pushing on. And actually, that's what I did, and I did that for three years until it was finally diagnosed that okay, you do have anxiety. You have an anxiety disorder. But I was in therapy at the time, and I was managing that quite well on my own. And One of the things that I found really beneficial with therapy is, like I said, there isn't that, it's not focused on the labels or the diagnosis. It's enough for us to see a woman who comes to us and says, I'm not fully enjoying this experience. This isn't what I expected it to be. So in that case, I don't need to know whether you have postnatal depression, postnatal anxiety. It's enough for me to say, you are suffering. And rather than just helping you to cope, let's help you thrive. You know, because that is what is important to me. But I would always say to people that regardless, you know yourself and the first mm-hmm. port of call with anything should always be your GP. You know, don't make oh, that decision for yourself. Don't kind of say, oh, well, I should just keep going on. If you feel in any way that this is not how I expected it to go, talk to your GP, Even then, if your GP recommends medication and you feel I'm not at that stage that I need it yet, well, then that's okay. You know, you can try therapy. There's a number of other options that you can try. But keep your GP in the loop because that's your primary care physician. That's the person who needs to know about what's happening with you. Even when I was doing the research on this one, I I had to actually Google the difference
0: between postnatal um depression and postnatal anxiety. I, I'll be honest, I wasn't even I didn't know postnatal anxiety kind of existed as as a term, as a thing. Uh, and I think if you're if you're there and you're alone and you're kind of doing this, you know, and you're trying to research, I think it's it's kind of a bit of a minefield. And I do think you just kind of need to maybe go and, and
1: just just check it out before you kind of make presumptions. When I'm working with somebody, it's not that, you know, we deny as therapists that somebody has postnatal depression or anxiety. In the back of my mind, I can often recognize what the symptoms are. Mm -hmm. But the thing that's really important is, you know, for me, I would have looked up online well, okay, I don't have postnatal depression, so what way am I feeling? And then you look at postnatal anxiety and there's a lot around the thoughts, okay? But I didn't have those thoughts. I wasn't having these recurring thoughts of, or checking things compulsively or anything like that. For me, how it showed up for me was it was just this underlying feeling of restlessness. It was like this energy coursing through my body, even though I was exhausted where... I couldn't relax. I was really hyper-vigilant all the time. But there was nothing about thoughts, you know. But if I were to look it up online you know, and look it up by the diagnostic criteria, I didn't really fit that either. I know that they say that the statistics are like one in 10 for postnatal depression. I don't believe that at all. I think that it is definitely probably more close to one in six, one in seven, particularly since this pandemic. So I think, you know, in my work, it's always in the back of my mind that, that what we've come through has had a massive impact on the mental health of mothers. I agree. I had a COVID birth and
0: now I was lucky that my husband could come into the labor ward. But I remember, obviously you do your 90 minutes there or whatever it is, and you get moved to your room. He had to go then. He couldn't come up the stairs, you know, and I know people who have gone through labor by themselves, so I can't compare, but yeah, very, very difficult. And then you're kind of there and you're, you're sitting in a hospital with a baby by yourself and it was a bank holiday. So the, you know, the hospital, they're under pressure. I had a great, you know, I was home the next day and I, you know, I I do consider myself very lucky. But to that point, there were no meetups, there were no classes, there were no mum and baby groups, there was no baby yoga or whatever, like all of those things that you would expect in your, when you're thinking about your maternity leave, like during COVID, when all of these are kind of done, like you are literally on your own, and it's you and your baby walking up and down the road to grab maybe a takeaway coffee if the takeaway coffee was open. Yeah. So I, I I'm not surprised to hear that there was a bit. There is a bit of a kind of a lasting effect there because yeah, in some in an experience that's kind of isolating, maybe at times it was very isolated during COVID. And I'm really, really glad that we got to a point, like obviously I can see now there's some baby groups opening up again and, you know, the, you know, in person and it's fantastic. And I'm delighted that people have that experience, but it's like you did need to be, you know, extra, extra strong to kind of get through that experience in a really, really
1: positive way. It is. And Leanne, one of the things that I find is just because you mentioned it there, I find that I hear it a lot where people will say, I know that I did this part by myself, but other people had it worse. I hear that a lot in my work. People will start the conversation with me saying, I know that this was hard, but there was other people that had to do it by themselves. So it's almost like invalidating that that experience was still very difficult for a lot of people. You know, and they invalidate it by comparing and saying, Well, you know, actually this person had to do the whole thing by themselves or they had birth trauma. But actually, you know, if it's your first baby in particular and you are given birth under the conditions of not having your support person there through the scary parts, not just the actual given birth, but the scary parts of labor where you're like, this is not what I expected. <laughs> this is harder. <laughs> it is very very hard because it can bring up a lot it can you know for some people it can bring up a lot of feeling of being really helpless you know it can trigger a lot from their past of being on their own when they needed somebody the most Mm -hmm. but yet we do tend to kind of say well other people had it worse and I think that has gotten so many people into a lot of trouble with their mental health because they've gone on so long saying I shouldn't complain but actually that's what like the likes of me are here for is that you have a right to be angry that your experience mm. was not how you expected it to go. You know, whether that's just angry at COVID, let it be that, you know, but you don't have to internalize it, feel it. You know, you don't have to turn that in on yourself. There are places that you can share that because it's totally valid. Yeah, that's so
0: true. Yeah, we we always tend to go into comparison land. I think as well, um, just when you talk about like, you know, birth trauma and postnatal PTSD, like, I think that that feels like a topic that's, you know, over the last kind of year or so is really, we're kind of beginning to shine a light on it. And I think it's something that's kind of never really talked much about in the past or very much like Mm. kind of not a, not, not that it wasn't a thing, but we just never really kind of spoke about it. And do you feel there's a shift in it and that we're kind of trying to shine a light on it and that it is a real thing?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things to remember is there is very little research that has been done into maternal mental health or the experience of mothers after birth. This is all still relatively new that they're looking into this now. So we were very much put to the side, you know, as in just let them find their way as mothers. This is supposed to be natural to them. So the research is only kind of coming up to date now and there's still a long way to go. But I think... I feel very blessed to work in this space as a psychotherapist right now because although in some ways there is a lot of talk on social media about trauma and it can feel a little bit overwhelming sometimes... There has been so much more research into the effects of trauma and what it does. So, for me, I would have started out as purely like a talk therapist, a psychoanalyst. But now, most of the work that I do is psychotherapy that's more somatic based, more body based. So, people that would be able to feel that anxiety in their body, to feel, you know, when they have been triggered, that trauma that's in their body, that's stored there, you know, what it's bringing up for them and how it's affecting their body, you know, be that their heart rate, their muscles tightening, you know. So I do a lot of kind of education with my clients around working with their nervous system, understanding the effects that trauma can have on it. And you know, it's as simple as, you know, people thinking that trauma has to be this really big thing. Like, oh, it's only reserved for people that have gone to war or have been in a major car accident. Or trauma can be something like having a really bad breakup. Trauma can be your birth not going as expected. Or trauma can be something where your birth has been particularly difficult. There's what some people call big T trauma and little t trauma. I don't like using those words because I think it can invalidate for some people those little T traumas, but they're very much trauma at the same time. So I think it's a great time to work in my space because we're focused more on trauma and PTSD in a way that it applies not only to people that have gone to war or been in serious accidents, but to the lay person and actually the majority of us will have some trauma in our life. And the thing is that as mothers, if there has been a difficult experience for them, that can reactivate some earlier wounds. And that's where therapy really has a huge benefit over the likes of other kind of treatments because it can go there. You know, it can explore that a little bit more to help the client process and heal rather than just cope with the symptoms, you know, we don't want to just put a bandaid on something. We want to actually help the client heal from that on a much deeper level.
0: That's fascinating. A lot of it is linked to things that have happened in the past or could be way, way back. And that it's, it's just this time, it's kind of coming back up. And I think, you know, motherhood generally is such a massive shift in in your perspective and your thinking, and you do look to your past, of course, when you're a child, what, you know, what sort of kind of upbringing you've had and, it's fantastic to think that, you know, you can do these sessions that kind of really kind of go deep. And as you said, it's not a plaster. It's kind of really, really kind of a
1: a really proper journey into healing and, and coping. And that's the thing, you know, motherhood, it, it is that it can be really challenging those early days, but it's also an invite to actually look a little bit further into yourself, you know, and and see what those patterns, because we haven't been in that dynamic of mother and baby since we were the babies. So now we're the mothers, you know, so that's our point of comparison that we have is when we were the babies. So it is. it is, it's an important opportunity, I think, for a lot of people.
0: And I kind of want to talk about
1: one of the biggest shifts. And again,
0: I, I think it's something that we don't necessarily talk enough about. This is when the maternity leave ends. So, you know, you're in the swing of things, mm. you're loving life, and then the black cloud comes and you realise, actually, it does have to end eventually. And obviously, for a lot of people, that kind of it either means going back to work or it might mean making big decisions to stay at home and, and be full-time. Yeah. When I was going back to work, and, you know, I've had... A, I have a great company. I work for an amazing company, very, very supportive. But even I struggled. I didn't realize the level of separation anxiety I'd feel. And then the realization when I went back to work that I wasn't just clicking back into my old normal. I had this whole new normal where I was a little bit different and it just felt like such a big shift. It was that time felt like the biggest shift for me. Do you feel that it's something that we kind of talk about or that we have, you know, proper support for for women in
1: terms of making
0: that transition. Because I think it's a massive transition.
1: It is massive. I think like there's, you know, I've, I've done a few corporate talks on this and I find that there's a lot of businesses out there that are really serious about how do we make this easier. But I think honestly, it is so individual to each person that I don't think a workshop can really do it. I think, you know each mother kind of needs that support. She needs like a key person when she comes back to help her with that, somebody that's gone through the process herself. Um, For me, uh, you know, I was talking to a neighbor about this about a year ago and she said to me, and I think this is the best way to describe it, she said, it's like you're going back to the same job with a new brain. But... One thing I will say is that it's a transition. And when we talk about transitions, we often forget that a transition isn't just stepping into a new chapter. A transition also always involves an ending of sorts. So there's a closing of one chapter to step into another. A new one, yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think in our society, we don't honour the closing of one chapter we just kind of say you're going into the next one this is you know you're going back to work and we focus on that but we don't focus on there's a lot to let go of there's a lot to say goodbye to and that often shows up in the room when I'm working with the client as unresolved grief of sadness that they feel this doesn't fit like I shouldn't be grieving my old life I've always wanted to be a mother or this is what I've always longed for so it can feel really uncomfortable to feel sad, you know, or that this this grief doesn't fit, I don't know where it is. But actually, it's a totally natural part of making any transition. It's the same, you know, with being a teenager. You know, we go in, we're not the babies anymore. We're Our parents no. aren't going to do everything for us. So there's that ending as well, you know. But as mothers, I don't think our society really values that. It's all about go to the next chapter. You're right. I don't think we do anything around the end of a transition
0: or a new transition. And I do think that it's we we think about going out on maternity leave. We have this lovely kind of, you know, build up to it. And we have the two weeks before and everything's prepared and we wash all the clothes and we and everything's just so perfect. Yeah. And then what happens is it feels like then we just go and we're thrown back into our old life without any sort of sense of, okay, this can be a bit of a a challenging experience and let's let's go in and, and, and know that we're going to have kind of maybe some challenges along the way and that's okay and that it might take a bit of time to just kind of totally settle back into
1: the desk and that I can't step back into being that person anymore because I'm not that person yes That takes a bit of the pressure off because I think half the battle is we go back to work and we're like, I have to prove myself. I have to prove that I can do things the way I did before. But of course you can't because you're not that same person. Yeah, But you bring new things to the role. You were in and out. You were really organized. I was never an organized person, Leanne, until I had a child. And then I was like, I would get in early to work because I knew that I... Because you're up early. Yeah, because I was like, I'll be late otherwise. And uh, yeah, meetings, I was like, no, I do not have time for this. This can be an email. This does not have to be an hour long of chit-chat. And you do, you're you're a lot more efficient. You are able to manage things a lot better. You're resilient, Mothers are so resilient, particularly those who went through having babies or raising kids in the pandemic. We have had to be so strong. So, you know, these are the type of people that you want on your team. And I can't understand why there is not more of an investment into mothers returning to work because the skills that we have, these are the people I work with day in, day out. And I'm in awe of them. I'm in awe of the strength that they bring every baby you have would bring a different journey.
0: Mm. So if you maybe had a bit of a difficult journey on your first, it doesn't necessarily mean that that will kind of follow in the second or the third or whatever. Like, it,
1: it, is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. It is always, you know, I, I have people that had really easy first pregnancies, really easy first births. And then, they were expecting that things would go really well and then it was harder the second time. And equally, I have people that come to me and they want to work through the challenges of their first birth because they're pregnant again and there's that fear of something is going to go wrong the next time around. So it's actually really helpful for them to have therapy so that they can work on the things that they can control, that they can advocate for themselves better this time, that they know what to expect and that they can be clear on what they want to happen as well. So it gives them a little bit more control and a little bit more advocacy, self-advocacy. So it it definitely, it is very, very different, you know, on each, on each baby. But I think if you have had a difficult first birth, it can... It, the sad thing is, I think it puts a lot of women off ever trying again, even though they would like to be mothers again. And I guess my message is, you don't have to put off your dream. You know, there is help available out there and... I don't know if I'm allowed to mention a book that's actually really helpful for anybody that of has course. had birth Yes, trauma. absolutely. We can link it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I just find because I was looking at it there, there is a book that there's very few books actually on birth trauma that are quite a good read from somebody that's experienced mm-hmm. it. So I've said this to a number of clients, but there's a book called Birth Shock by Mia Scotland. It's written by somebody who's gone through it. And I think, you know, even if you can't afford the one-to-one therapy or you just want to kind of hear somebody else's experience, it's a really good read to make you feel less alone in what you've gone through.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. We'll definitely link that in the show notes, and Every little bit helps. Mm. And and somebody might get something out of that. And it'd be amazing to think, you know, if it brings somebody comfort or a bit of clarity. You know, yeah. it's, it's fantastic, you know, even just to get access to a book like that. And when, you know, when you think about your kind of, you know, if, if somebody, you know, is is going to be doing coaching sessions or, you know, with you, like at what point do you generally see people? Is it like straight after birth or is it really far down the line? Like, I'm just kind of intrigued. Or sometimes is it before
1: you go into this journey? Yeah. So it's, it's very different. So in my practice, I would do coaching on one side and I would do psychotherapy on the other. So with the coaching, I would tend to get people that maybe had seen me at a corporate event or something and they're pregnant and they want to prepare for, you know, how do I make the most out of my maternity leave? And so we'll work together during the pregnancy. Then, you know, we'll take a couple of months, we'll work when they're on leave and then we'll work with when they've gone back. So there's that preparation and then establishing themselves, readjusting. With the therapy, it's it's different. So that's weekly, that's more regular and consistent. But that, I would say... In general, the majority of people, it could be anywhere from six to eight months on that, that people would come to me. So I think, you know, those early months, people find it too hard to think of anybody but the baby. So they, they generally they do yeah. they don't, they avoid talking about themselves because it just feels like I'm too tired to to even think about it my clients would be anything from, you know, maybe one year, the child might be one year, anything upwards, because there's also women that, the kids have started school this year, and they're like, yes, oh, what do I do? That's another transition. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what do I do? You know, I have a bit of time for me here. So it's, um yeah, there's, there's never any limit with this. You know, it's, some people will just get that niggling feeling that, I want something for me or there should be a little bit m- more support here. And I just say to them, if you get that feeling, that's the time to contact me because you don't have to do all this on your own. You really don't. And that's why I love this job because I feel like I'm giving to other people what I wish I had had for myself.
0: And um, and and just in terms of the practicalities, I, I know obviously you're Leinster based. So like, is it only really face to face or do you do any sort of kind of Zoom sessions. Yeah, or what would you prefer?
1: I'm still on Zoom. I'm actually still on Zoom. Yeah, because do you know what? <laughs> Working with this population, it just seems to be easier for everybody because it's like I don't have to hire childcare. I don't have the commute to get out to see you. I didn't think it would work at first, but it's actually been it's been great. And this has been amazing. I I think
0: it's just really, really, really good to just get a bit of an insight into it and just for anybody who's, you know, preparing for birth and, you know, it's not to obviously scare anybody at all. Like, you know, because as we said, you know, every, every experience is completely different and, but it's just really leaning on your support network, leaning on, you know, if you're ever kind of worried, the GP is, you know, obviously there. Um, and it's just to know that people are here and people you know, have been through it before. Yeah. I ask all my guests for just one piece of advice. So if you're to to give a piece of advice to a new parent, like a little pearl of wisdom that you could send on, what would it be?
1: Oh, god, there's so many now that I feel that I have from working with mothers for the last 2 years. I think for me and and this might sound cliché because I am a therapist, but I would say don't wait until you feel really low or very overwhelmed to actually look at your support network, to look at who you have there. People often think therapy is just for when things go wrong. I say it's actually nearly better to start when things are going relatively okay, you know, because that's where you build the foundation. And then if things get a little bit harder, you know you have those kind of arms to lean back on, that somebody has your back and that somebody is going to be there for you and not tell you like everybody else what you should be doing as a mother or advice, you know, given all this well-meaning advice, or you should do this with the sleep or do that. They're there to just listen to you. You know, it's, we're here for you. So I would always say, just don't wait until the last minute to tap into your network of help, you know, try and get that early so that, you know, that's one less thing you're going to have to worry about. That's amazing advice
0: and you're so insightful I love what you do I think it's so important and I think I, I just love the fact that you know everything you do is is all about a, you know a mission for anybody who may want to obviously um get in contact with you or follow you what would be the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah so they can go onto my website and actually on my website you can just book in for a free 30 minute call you know where you don't necessarily need to book a session with me it's all about just seeing if I can help you in any way and sometimes even that half an hour just having somebody to listen to you can actually really help you know so I do have that where you can book that through my website so that's just www.sparkback.ie and then my Instagram I tend to interact there a lot with people so that's just sparkback.ie on Instagram as well so I'll just my email as well as hello at sparkback.ie so any of those ways are the best ways to get me fantastic Anne. well look all i can do is thank you for being an amazing guest it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and thank you and thanks for having these conversations because they're so important you know but it's great that they're happening now
0: thank you for listening to caring conversations get lots more help advice and information on our care plus baby club it's easy and free to join just click the link in the show notes on your podcast player right now Join us on our next podcast where we talk about all things caring for baby and answer all your health questions. To get it automatically, just click the follow button on your player right now.
1: Care and Conversations is produced by JustPod.io and brought to you by CarePlus Pharmacy with outlets right across Ireland. Find your nearest CarePlus Pharmacy at careplus.ie. Until next time, from all the CarePlus Pharmacy team, thank you for listening.